0: New episodes are added every weekday in the free Vision Christian Media app. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision.
1: As we do on a Monday, we like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby and Wendy Francis is National Director for Politics at the ACL. She's back with us. Hey, Wendy, welcome back to 2020.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Neil, as always. I appreciate
1: it. Wendy, I mentioned in the introduction there as we're just getting ready for this conversation and something that so many will resonate with the thought that there is a rising anti-christian sentiment Uh, give us your impressions here maybe start with a big picture and we'll talk about some of the uh, some of the issues that are contributing to that thought but you know is there something that you can feel things are heating up
2: i I really think so um, Neil. and i think we listeners will probably understand what i'm saying but you know, if we go right back to uh, when the same-sex marriage vote um, came in. So I'm going back to a little bit of, of history now. But following that vote, it was decided by Turnbull, um, he was the Prime Minister at the time, that people of faith would need some sort of ret- protection to be able to continue to, um, to adhere to their faith, to their ethos, to their beliefs in Australia. And so he was the one who actually instigated the idea of we need a federal religious freedom bill, being called a religious discrimination bill. And so that it goes back to then Morrison, um, prime minister, tried to bring one in, didn't work. Um, when Albanese uh, was running for uh, parliament, he promised repeatedly, promised that he would deal with the issue of religious discrimination once he was in government. But under his watch, I I have to say that I think an anti-Christian sentiment has not been dealt with, um, but it's actually rising in our nation.
1: We might wonder whether it can be dealt with at a political level or whether this is something that has to happen grassroots and has to happen from the ground up, so to speak, because it doesn't seem to be that... The politicians have a lot of control here, although uh, any effort to perhaps maintain a a religious freedom might be a useful thing. Now, some of the issues, Wendy, if we say there is anti-Christian sentiment on the rise in Australia... Uh, Let's go through some of the issues that have been talked about uh, on this program so many times uh, over recent months. Uh, Perhaps we start with the Calvary Hospital because uh, that's been a challenging one. Uh, What's the latest development there? Because it's already now in the hands of the ACT government. There's been a hostile takeover. Uh, The assets of the church have been overtaken by the government. Uh, What is your thought here on where things are at?
2: So I just think it's a good um, example of what's happening. And I don't want to paint a picture of Christians needing to all of a sudden feel as if we're a persecuted minority. We are a minority, but I don't want I don't want to all of a sudden become victims. That's the last thing I want to do. But I think we need to be very aware of what's actually happening. So, you know, with the Calvary Hospital, definitely the rights of um, religious health care providers have been completely overridden their their right to care for the sick the the aged and there has been a dangerous and very um, unsettling precedent set there a signal was sent to religious and private health care providers that if you don't submit to the ideological um, ideas of the government as in uh, certainly on abortion and euthanasia in the case of the Calvary Hospital then they will um, they will come after you really basically so what's happening there? Long story short, Matt Canavan is Senator Matt Canavan has called for a review of the process that happened. It can't be undone, but he's called for a review so that we can see, OK, exactly what happened there so we can try and avoid that in the future.
1: OK, so issues around an asset grab, uh, the fact that there are assets that have been uh, taken over, that's the chilling thing here, isn't it?
2: Yeah, the, the asset grab was the big thing because it, they had to change legislation to be able to do it. This is, how, this is how incredible it was and it was why it was taken so by surprise. There was no warning. Um, legislation, special legislation was passed to enable the government to actually take this asset. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, and what we'd be concerned about there, and taking on board that is very significant, that uh, you don't want to be a victim in all of this, and we might appreciate with our Christian history that our historic roots are pervasive across all sorts of different dimensions in Australian society, and there seems to be a bit of an incremental uh, chipping away at those issues around our Christian faith. But uh, when there is an asset grab, I guess uh, there's a dangerous precedent that can be set when governments decide that they can take the assets of the church at a whim.
2: Correct. And so if the um, Calvary Hospital can be taken as it was and now their hospice has also been taken, uh, then no uh, religious institution is actually safe from any government. And this is why Matt Canavan is wanting to do this inquiry to ask what actually happened Was it it actually legally done? Is there anything that we can put in place to make sure this doesn't happen again?
1: And Wendy, just as a little aside, all of those people that argued for a separation of church and state, uh, when the arguments and debates, the debates, they get heated, uh, people say only the the church uh, needs to be separate uh, from the state. Uh, not connected to the state, but it's all right if it happens the other way and the state wants to take over the church. Is that is that okay or not?
2: It's not okay. And, uh, you know, it was, it was the church, largely that began these institutions of care. Um, this hospital has been just an, a ministry of care to the people in the ACT for many years. And the care that is received there, I mean, the community just came out in outrage at this when this happened, not just Christian people, but the community, because when they go to this hospital, they know the sort of care that they get is from nuns, it's from people who are there because of their belief in God and because of their belief in the sanctity of human life. And so they knew that they were going to get the very best care at this hospital. So um, there has been quite an outrage that the government would do this because of an ideological position.
1: Okay, another issue altogether and one that maybe is going to take lots of listeners by surprise. If you've been a long-time supporter of your own local school where you've got a chaplain and sometimes there's been all sorts of committees and such things set up to support chaplaincy and there's been a a wonderful thing that's happened over the years where governments have begun to support chaplains in schools because they recognise such a fabulous Outcome: When you've got students who have access to a chaplain, chaplaincy no longer tax deductible. What's happening here, Wendy?
2: So again, this was taken. Uh, the Scripture Union Australia, which is one of the largest chaplaincy providers for state schools, was taken completely by surprise here. Uh, so the government all of a sudden decided, and it's become effective as as at the first of July. So it's been in place now for a couple of weeks. And the Scripture Union Australia has had to put on their website that um, they will no longer be able to issue tax-deductible receipts for donations. Now, I'm really praying, Neil, that this won't affect giving to SU Australia. But again, there are are non-Christian, secular businesses and people who give a lot of money to SU Australia because of the good that the chaplains do to the most vulnerable students in our state schools. But the chaplains are there for our most vulnerable students and staff. They're there in a community and they're there as a person who's who's not in a position of power, but they're in a position of just care. They are professional people. They are qualified, um, but they are not counsellors as such. They are there just to actually experience life with these students and staff. And what the government has done all of a sudden is said no more tax deductibility for any private donations, for donations. So um, there are people who at the end of every financial year, they look around because they've got money that they want to actually invest in some good cause um, and they do want that tax deductibility. That's what's going to be affected here. So um, it it could well. I'm praying that it won't. I'm praying that people will say forget about the tax deductibility. I'm still going to give to chaplaincy. but the very cold hard fact is that this decision could well result in cuts through chaplaincy services. And the only ones who are going to really suffer are our most vulnerable children. So again, what I would say is there's just an inkling here of an anti-Christian sentiment rising because um, there are people who have been advocating for uh, no tax deductibility, not just for chaplaincy, but for a lot of other Christian ministries as well, and uh, and it's, it's a very sad day if we're going to see um, cuts to chaplaincy that will mean vulnerable children don't have someone to go and speak to at
1: school. Challenging times when charities that are Christian charities, and there's lots of them, uh, if they come under a attack. Uh, which says uh, we're going to claw back those provisions that have enabled a tax deductibility, and if that then uh, takes a hold, uh, what we might an- anticipate, Wendy, is cutbacks uh, to those chaplaincy services, and of course it hasn't gone there yet, but cutbacks to all, a lot of charity services that are provided by churches, uh, and which is an incredible asset to a nation when you've got a charity service that is run by Christians and makes such a huge difference in the welfare in the community. So uh, cuts to chaplaincy services, that is a possibility here, isn't it?
2: Definitely is. And we're just cutting the legs out from, um, as you say, these charities that give so much to our Australian uh, cultural uh, understanding of care. They're there for people because they really care. They're there because, um, you know, the chaplains are there because they love God and because they love God, they love these kids. Uh, but, you know, the thought of having cuts to chaplaincy because the government has decided this, is uh, it's actually diabolical in my mind. I, I'm really sad about this. So um, I know that chaplaincy, uh, SU Australia particularly, but other uh services are going to really try and, and um, help the government understand um, you know, it's not that we want to go in and blast the government for doing the wrong thing. What we want to do is try and help them understand what this actually will mean to the most vulnerable children in our nation. And, and we're hoping, praying, that they will reverse
1: the decision. Okay. While we're talking about things that might be contributing to a anti-Christian sentiment rising, in Australia let's give some attention to Christian schooling here because this has been a a long conversation we've been having and uh, ordinary Australians not listening into the sorts of conversations we have when we do an update on this they'd be completely unaware of this sort of thing but Christian schooling what's the rising anti-Christian sentiment around Christian schools
2: we're certainly seeing attempts, and this has um, started in Victoria, there's Victorian legislation that, that um, makes this happen, but we're seeing attempts to wind back protections for parental choice in education, um, particularly in the way that, uh, that religious schools can, can employ staff, whether they can employ staff that adhere to their religious ethos and also just in in the way that we can genuinely care and support our students in a biblical way. So we're seeing uh, protections for those uh, ability to do that being wound back. And we know that um, like there's been surveys that have been done. Over, like We're talking about over 8,000 people, so it's a, a quite a significant survey. And 74% of the parents interviewed in that survey that the teaching of traditional Christian values and beliefs was extremely or very important to them in choosing a school. So we're not just affecting our students, we're affecting parental choice and this is really important too because you know parental choice is one of those freedoms of, of that we, we value very highly and we will do anything to protect. Um, we are calling on the government to, because they're, they're doing all of these reviews at the moment and it's in preparation for a religious discrimination bill. Sadly, um, Michelle Pearson, CEO of ACL, and I met with Justice Rossman last week and we said to him, you know, in an attempt to bring in a religious discrimination bill, it actually appears as if we are fighting to keep even the freedoms that we enjoy now. So it feels like we're going to lose freedom in the attempt to bring in a religious freedom bill. It's absolutely crazy. So we're pushing that um, uh, Christian schools must be allowed to choose staff based on their belief in and adherence to the doctrines of the religion concerned. And also that um, we'll be able to teach in accordance with those those beliefs. Because, and I, and I, you know, I'd like to be able to touch on this myth information bill that's coming in as well because when, when you put that together with the schooling, the, the government wants to put in a misinformation bill that will they will decide what is true. To put that into the context of schooling, then to be able to teach that God intends marriage to be one man, one woman for life, um, that would not be allowed because it would be misinformation
1: when you've got a bunch of bureaucrats who are going to decide what's true and what's not and then you apply that to a religious context across all of the dimensions of where the christian church is a part of australian society uh, then there is a risk isn't there that uh, in the wrong hands what is designed uh, what is uh, defined as misinformation or disinformation could well work against uh, the Christian Church and our ability to be able to present truth, and of course, uh, in all of these contexts, Wendy. Just and uh, we've just almost run out of time. But uh, when we talk about the church, and then yeah. you've got uh, Christian hospitals in healthcare, you've got Christians in welfare organisations and charities, you've got Christians in schooling, uh, education. Any time that is trampled over, and any time the government has control over what each of these organizations teach, it's actually a attempt to control what the Bible says because as a Christian school just for example, you've got to be guaranteed freedom to teach what Jesus taught. If you trample over that in the schools, or you trample over that in the hospitals, eventually you're trampling over what can be taught in church uh, religious freedom, really important
2: Very important and the Australian Law Reform Commission have made it very clear that not only do they want to be able to regulate what is taught in schools, churches are next. And so um, this is why I say we need to be very aware that there is an anti-Christian sentiment rising. Not necessarily from your friends or the people that you meet in the street or even at school, but certainly politically there is a push to to reduce the impact of any Christian teaching and doctrine. And we need to be aware of that, not just for our own. Sake, certainly not for our own sake, to be honest, but for our children and grandchildren, but ultimately for the glory of God and for the ability of His gospel to be able to spoken to be spoken freely in Australia.
1: And Wendy, just a thought here: uh, so far as your personal prayer time, uh, your church corporate prayer time. When you're praying in either your personal prayer time or uh, in your church prayer meeting, or it could be prayer in church, uh, what are your thoughts here? Because not everybody can articulate what, what's happening at the Calvary Hospital or the misinformation, disinformation bill. Uh, now, it's good to get your, uh, your mind around those things, uh, but if you had in your heart that there is a growing anti-Christian sentiment, is this something you could certainly make sure that you are uh, bringing before God in your prayer time?
2: It is. And, you know, if we go back to what we call the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, in that prayer is probably the best prayer in concerning this because we pray, Your kingdom come, Lord, and it goes on to say, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it is God's intention for his gospel to go to the ends of the earth. And that includes Australia. And so, if we can pray that Lord's Prayer without being just a repetitious thing, but really think through, Lord, Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Then I don't think we can be help. We can help, but be try and be part of that. Be part of God's kingdom coming here on earth. But that certainly is the prayer of my heart. That His kingdom will come, and that His will will be done here on earth, here in Australia, as it is in heaven.
1: Your kingdom come, your will be done. And we were talking fairly extensively about that concept uh, just last week and there's some great podcasts to listen to around that. Wendy Francis is the Australian Christian Lobby National Director of Politics and to catch up with more of this detail, let me point listeners to the ACL website, acl.org.au. ACL stands for Australian Christian Lobby, acl.org.au, and you'll find articles, you'll find resources, you'll find ways that you can speak up yourself about some of these issues we are talking about today. Wendy Francis, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us once again today on 2020. Thank yeah, you, God
2: bless you, and.